MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, February 7th, 2022. Today, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis may expand her probe to include the forged electors from Georgia. More details emerge surrounding the memos written to seize voting machines and Trump himself put eyes on one of them. Emails show Ron DeSantis was in regular communication with Justice Clarence Thomas. Pence and other GOP power players begin backing away from Trump. Phone records obtained by the January 6th committee show Trump spoke with Jim Jordan for 10 minutes on the morning of the Capitol attack. Court filings show just how fast and complex the DOJ investigation into Bannon for contempt was. The RNC has censured Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger while referring to the Capitol attack as, quote, legitimate political discourse. More archives related to Pence requested by the 1-6 committee have already been shredded. And top Pence aides talk more about meetings they had with Trump lawyers to pressure Pence to overturn the election. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Dana, I think it's a record for the longest introduction of headlines. It has to be. That was impressive, though. I'm looking down. I'm making my timestamp note. We're at 120. I think we start at 114. That, I think, is the one of the longest ones. Not done. The news dump on Friday was just ridiculous. And that should have, we should have been seeing, you know, we should have seen that coming because Monday and Tuesday, the whole week was just... <laughs> We should have actually seen that coming. That's fair. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. Yeah, it was just so much news. Because of the amount of news, we have no interview today. Too much news. And Dana, you're going to be off the rest of the week and back with me Monday because you're going to be traveling to New York because you got something going on. What is it? I do. I have my first live show of 2022 in New York City. If you live in the city and you haven't purchased tickets, I do hope you'll come join me live. But if you don't live in the city and you would like to see me perform, you can live stream this bad boy into your living room. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be fun. And we're just going to have a good time. So yeah, um, I know that AG, you were kind enough to put the ticket link in the happy hour uh, that you had on Friday. But if you do not have tickets yet, please go to thegreenroom42.venuetixtix.com. And then you'll just scroll to my show, hit the live stream, and you'll get a link the day of. And so just to make the beginning longer, there you go. But thanks for letting me promote it. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I also talked about a little bit on Muller She Wrote that uh, was out yesterday. You want me to check out the new Muller She Wrote and the new MSW Book Club. And oh my gosh, thank you so much. We have had new subscribers to the premium feed, like record numbers of people since we left Spotify who want to support our show. That's fantastic. And, you know, agree with our our decision to 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 pull back from Spotify despite any financial risks. Hopefully they're minimal, but really making up for it. Everybody's subscribing to premium feeds. You get premium feeds for this show, MSW Book Club, and Muller She Wrote, all three shows for three bucks a month or more. You can kick in more if you want, but three bucks a month. It's a steal. Is the, is the, is the lowest. It's 36 bucks a year. And you get you know to come to the happy hours and meet and greets and presale tickets when we go on tour and all that sort of stuff for bonus content. And you can do that at patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote. And just thank you so much, everybody. This The, the support is overwhelming. I'm, I'm super humbled by it. Real quick headline, because we just don't have time to do it all in the breakdown of Hot Notes. Fonnie Willis has said she will investigate the forged electors from Georgia. 
She's looking at it. She says if there was a crime there, she's going to add it to the pile. And she's already been investigating Trump, Lindsey Graham and the firing of B.J. Pack, that uh, Georgia U.S. attorney, like just mysteriously, uh, who, who didn't agree to go along with any of this shit either. And uh, her special grand jury, they begin selection on May 2nd. And she's also asked the FBI to increase security because of Donald Trump calling her racist and that, you know, everyone should go and quote unquote protest in places like New York and Georgia. So with that story, there wasn't really too much more to that story. So I just wanted to throw it in there. We have a lightning round of news to get to. So let's (laughs) I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Top story, at least for me, we got a little peek over the weekend in the massive amount of work the Department of Justice is doing behind the scenes in silence in court filings in the Bannon contempt case from the weekend. This is from Kyle Cheney at Politico. Prosecutors appear to have obtained court records and court orders to access phone and email records of prominent attorneys for Steve Bannon, at least one who is fighting criminal charges for defying a subpoena from the January 6th committee. In a court filing Friday, Bannon's legal team revealed that last month, prosecutors provided more than 790 documents that, quote, reflected efforts by the government to obtain telephone records and email records by the personal and professional accounts of defense counsel Robert J. Costello. To sum up here, the Department of Justice used 18 U.S. Code Section 2703 to obtain phone records on Costello from four different carriers and emails from another four different carriers. Now, a 2703 order requires a warrant, so there has to be evidence that the crime's being committed, at least, you know. You would think. Reasonable doubt. Not, yeah, uh, no. Is it reasonable doubt? No, I think it's it's a lower standard. Probable cause? Probable cause, I think. And so, yeah, probable cause of crimes. But it does not require the vendor to notify the target. So they didn't, no one had to tell (laughs) Costello under 2703, we're just getting your phone records here and your email. So for those who say, we would have heard from targets if the DOJ was getting their stuff, that's not necessarily the case. They can do it quietly and without informing them. And the use of 2703 here tells me they're, they're trying to keep it quiet. Now, additionally, in, in addition to the 790 documents for this one of his three lawyers just for obtaining his phone and email records, the FBI and the Department of Justice interviewed Costello on two separate occasions, which is likely what prompted those 2703 orders because he said a lot of weird shit. And they did so because Costello was the one advising Bannon to defy a subpoena. And defying a subpoena is a crime. And you can't call that attorney-client privilege because of the crime fraud exception. And they don't want any of the phone records about after he was indicted and was representing him, right? Like, we don't want your actual lawyer shit. We just want your crime lawyer shit. (laughs) Now, this all happened in November, and it happened within a span of 22 days. And none of us heard about the interviews with the FBI, the interview with the Department of Justice. None of us heard about the phone and email record 2703 orders and the warrants. We didn't hear about the warrants to get them until well after Bannon was indicted. This is further proof we are not going to know what DOJ is doing in most cases, but they are doing things because this is just, like I said, one of Bannon's lawyers. And this is just a misdemeanor contempt case. And they've put two prosecutors and four FBI agents on it. Now, keep this in mind as we wait for what's in store for Meadows. And uh, he may not have been indicted yet. Also, by the way, Barb McQuaid brings up because they might be investigating other shit besides the contempt thing. So we'll see what happens. We definitely will. And all this is saying is that this Department of Justice doesn't leak 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Donald Trump's adult diaper, like the last Department of Justice leak. <laughs> they keep that shit under wraps. Okay, sorry about the visual. Edit it out if you want. No. Next story. <laughs> Emails handed over to American Oversight suggest that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he's in regular contact with Justice Clarence Thomas. Now, in June 2021, Thomas's wife, Ginny, who runs her own consulting firm, worked with DeSantis, his administration, to have the governor talk to a coalition of groups, including people affiliated with Judicial Watch. Now, that's the conservative organization that uses information requests and lawsuits to investigate public officials. One of the emails about having DeSantis talk to, quote, conservative patriots, Jenny Thomas says that DeSantis should be acquainted with her for a few reasons. One, she interviewed him for the Daily Caller when he was in Congress, uh, saw him at a state dinner with Donald Trump was president, and, quote, my husband has been in contact with him on various things as of late. Uh, I think it's clear that Thomas needs to resign. He's clearly not impartial justice. Um, So there's a lot of things uh, that that are wrong with all of this. Yeah, this emailing with Ron DeSantis and then, of course, the Gorsuch giving a speech to the Federalist Society behind closed doors where no press was allowed. It's just gross. And then they, they accuse us of politicizing the court. They can go fuck themselves. All right, Dana, remember when I told you the voting machine memo story uh, when that came out, you know, the executive order to seize voting machines. Oh, yes, yes. From the New York Times. I told everyone to follow Hugo Lowell because there was more to the story. It's here. Well, that story. Yeah, <laughs> that story came out Friday. Weeks after the 2020 election, Donald Trump reviewed a draft executive order. He did that authorized the National Guard to seize voting machines and verbally agreed, verbally agreed to appoint Sidney Powell as special counsel to investigate election fraud. Now, Hugo has uncovered the first ever reporting that Donald had his hands and saw and read one of those memos. And we also learn in this story that it wasn't just the Department of Defense, Department of Justice and Department of Homeland Security he pitched this to. It was also the U.S. Marshals. And this is also the first we're learning that he verbally agreed to appoint Sidney Powell special counsel. Just a note, she's currently under DOJ criminal investigation for her role in January 6th. And if my experience tells me anything, it's her group that should probably get hit with the first indictments. Now, with regards to Powell being appointed special counsel, that's not something a president can do. Okay, he can't just do this. This has to be done by an attorney general who at the time was Rosen, who was being targeted by Trump to be replaced with Jeffrey Clark, who recently invoked the Fifth Amendment over 100 times, by the way, while testifying to the one six committee. Now, keep in mind, the Department of Justice inspector general has been investigating Rosen, Donahue and Clark since a few weeks after the attack on the Capitol. And Garland has sworn to Congress to take that read the recommendations of the IG once that investigation is finished. Now, when Trump was handed the draft executive order to seize voting machines and appoint Sidney Powell special counsel, Mike Flynn, Emily Newman, Newman, who is now a (laughs) sanctioned crack and strike force lawyer and former Overstock CEO and Bootina honeypot target Patrick Byrne were also in the room. And they were waved in by a guy named Ziegler, a Navarro aide, and Weaver, a National Security Council aide, without registering in the West Wing access system. And that is a violation of national security protocol. So if there is a national security counterintelligence investigation into this, that's probably one of the reasons why. Eric Hirschman, a White House senior advisor, slipped in behind them. White House counsel Pat Cipollone and Staff Secretary Derek Lyons were also in the meeting and told Trump, you can't seize voting machines. And that's when Trump told Powell to get Rudy. (laughs) bring rudy in for me because if anyone can get something done it's rudy giuliani (laughs) mikey likes it yeah it's (laughs) rudy will do it (laughs) he'll he'll eat anything okay 
because Byrne and Powell were still Powell were still like, come on, you can do this. So Powell called Meadows the next day to tell him she would need office space and a security clearance to begin her work as special counsel. Meadows was like, mm, yeah, hang on a second. And he called Giuliani. This is the next day. And Giuliani at that point told Meadows, no, Powell's banned from the White House now. <laughs> what happened in that day where she was going to be special counsel and now she's banned from the White House? Weird. I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out. It's got to be. Someone's going to leak it. Mm. This next story is, it's just ridiculous, um, but it's its also horrifying. The Republican Party on Friday officially declared the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol and the events that led to it as, quote, legitimate political discourse. Yep, not kidding. And it rebu- and rebuked two lawmakers in the party. We know who they are, who have been outspoken in condemning the deadly riot and the role of the former guy in spreading the election lies that fueled it. The Republican National Committee's voice vote, just the voice vote, to censure representatives Liv Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinziger of Illinois at its winter meeting in Salt Lake City culminated more than a year of vacillation, which started with the party leaders condemning the Capitol attack and Mr. Trump's conduct, then shifted to downplaying and denying it completely. Mm. On Friday, the party went further in a resolution slamming Ms. Cheney and Mr. Kinzinger for taking part in the White House investigation of the assault, said that they were participating in, quote, persecution of ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political discourse, which is, I guess, what they call people smearing their own feces on the walls of the Capitol. Totally Mm. normal, legitimate, beating a police officer with a flagpole, totally normal, legitimate political. Yeah, I was having a discussion with my friend the other day about, you know, uh, what the budget might look like. And I just smeared poop on her face. Yeah, that's it. I mean, as one does. Now, AG, after the vote, party leaders rushed to clarify that language. Of course they did, saying it was never meant to apply to rioters who violently stormed the Capitol in Mr. Trump's name, which Mm. would have been most of them. That's one of those like, I withdraw my question or the jury will disregard like you can't unring that bell. Yeah, absolutely. This is a shit. And in January 6th committee news, in a speech to the Federalist Society, former Vice President Mike Pence says Trump was un-American and he was wrong and that Pence had no right to overturn the election. A stunning rebuke because he has been licking his ass for the last year, even after he was almost hung in front of the Capitol. Now, Zoe Lofgren, who was talking to Acosta, who's one of my new favorites on CNN, says the committee will seek testimony from Pence if it's needed. They're like, Isn't, doesn't this make Pence important? Doesn't it seem like he might want to come in now? And she's like, eh, we'll see. We, we might not need it. We might not need it because we, I think we're going to find everything out we need to know from other sources. And I'm assuming she means Mark Short and Greg Jacob and others who have testified to the committee at length. And by the way, uh, Short and Jacob only invoked executive privilege over a few questions, and they were ones where they had direct discussions with the president, you know, the former president. So that's actually might be legitimate executive privilege. I'm not sure. Uh, That's probably for the Department of Justice and the courts to work out. Now, Mark Short told Meet the Press that Trump had snake oil salesmen advising him and also that they had had several meetings with Eastman and Pence's counsel, Greg Jacob. Short, who's also, by the way, testified to the committee. Short also confirmed they had conversations with the parliamentarian in the Senate about rejecting false electors which accounts for the change of the language that day. Remember how the language was different? Mm -hmm. Maybe it was the House parliamentarian. It was one of the parliamentarians. Now, Zoe Lofgren also confirmed they received call logs from the archives. This is interesting, too. Not from 2703s or subpoenas or anything, just the archives. 
And that included a 10-minute call from Trump himself to Jim Jordan on the morning of the January 6th, before the attack happened on that morning. And that contradicts what Jordan has told the public. I don't, first of all, he was like, I don't know, I may have talked to him all the time. Yeah, I don't remember him. I don't remember when the call happened. That's, that's, what, that's what our position is. You know, very Manafort and, uh, in his answers. And then he said, no, I think I talked to him after the whole thing was over. Well, they talked to him before. And he, there's a reason he's lying about talking to him before the attack, you know, because that's a little more damning. And when asked if she would bring Matt Gates in, Zolofgren said, man, probably not. What more would we need than what he has already said publicly? <laughs> she says, what could be more damning than that? And now we're hearing about Trump burn bags for documents he intended to shred or burn or those he shredded himself. And many of those have been confirmed by the National Archives, who has cops there, by the way, and makes criminal referrals to the Department of Justice. Many of those by the National Archives that have been documents related to the pressure campaign to get Pence to throw out electors. So not only could this be a violation of the Presidential Records Act, it could be obstruction of justice, especially if any of these documents were torn up, eaten, put in a burn bag, shit upon, <laughs> used to line the bottom of his own cage, whatever. Oh. That during impeachment, during the impeachment hearings, that would also be considered obstruction of justice. And it is low hanging fruit. And we'll talk about this in a second. But it's, it's been reported that Trump has been told at least twice that it was illegal to do that. Like by by lawyers. So he can't have ignorance of the law or or lack of intent. He kept doing it. That violates, like I said, Presidential Records Act, which comes with a max three year sentence, by the way. Not very much. And despite some rumors on Twitter, it does not bar you from running for public office if you're convicted of it. But if any documents, like I said, were found to have been destroyed during the impeachment or the Mueller probe or in this investigation or, you know, knowing that there was going to be investigation, that could be obstruction. And I also want to point out, too, that, you know, this the Presidential Records Act was written after Watergate to prevent presidents from not from, from you know, hiding like the 18 minutes of the Watergate tapes or mm -hmm. not turning over documents. So while this may be rare and hard to prosecute, this is exactly what it was fucking written for. There's. there's <laughs> There's no it's going to happen again. Like if I'm working at the VA and I accidentally tear up a contract or whatever, because, you know, and throw it in the trash or, you know, shred it. OK, uh, don't go after that. You know, that's a little weird. But this particular exact scenario is what that law was fucking written for. So I can't imagine they wouldn't uh, wouldn't go after it. All right. That is the news, at least most of it. There was other stuff. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to later. And there this will week. be other stuff tomorrow. <laughs> yes, there will. Especially, yeah, or today, Monday, right? It's probably going to be in another incredible news day. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news after this quick break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Allform, revolutionizing the way you get furniture. Allform creates premium custom furniture tailored to meet your specifications and then ships it directly to your doorstep free of charge. You can design your own luxury furniture using premium materials with Allform for a fraction of the price. I chose a three-seater sofa in whiskey-colored leather with a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge. It's comfortable and stylish, and the fabric is spill stain and scratch resistant, so it's great for pod pets, and it looks wonderful. Allform ships fast, too. It arrives in the mail in just five to seven days, and it's easy to assemble with no tools needed. You can choose from armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectionals, and you can start small and add more seats on later if you wish if your house gets bigger or your family grows. And best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it, 
which is more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free, no charge, and they'll give you a full refund, so there's no risk. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by The Final Word with Frangela. You know what you need? You need news that is smart, funny, and inspiring. You need The Final Word podcast with Frangela. America's BFFs will keep you informed and energized while you hashtag resist with new podcasts out every Wednesday. Then get your laugh on with a new episode of Frangela's Hysterical Idiot of the Week podcast, where Frangela fights stupid one dumb story at a time. Check out the final word and Idiot of the Week on MSW Media and the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network every week and follow at Frangela Duo on all your social medias today. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're- Ah, the Monday good news dump. This is my favorite good news. Uh, I I love all the good news. But if you have anything you want to share with us, pod pet photos, vacation photos, if you're going out on vacation, whoopee stories and lovey stories. I absolutely love these blanky stories. These are like my new favorite thing. Uh, What was the other thing? Oh, creators, crafters, artists, makers, whatever you're making. I would love to know about it and be happy to give a shout out to your business. I'm going to kick us off here. I'll take the first two here because this Sounds good. first one is short, but the photo is just, oh, chef's kiss. This is anonymous pronoun she and her. It's my grand doggy's fifth birthday today. That's all. This and picture. Then it's a photo of a, in the water. I can't. Oh, it's just it's a dog snoop. Beautiful and just perfect. The blue in the water and the blue of the sky. It's just gorgeous. What a lovely picture. And the doggy boops. Dog snoot. All right, next up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. Greetings, queens of the beans. Good news. I'm a pop pop. My first granddaughter from my only daughter is named Evelyn, pronouns to be determined. We call her the squish. Oh, my goodness. I've never been in love more. As a recent listener, I have to thank you for everything. The swearing helps me deal with some of the insane news these days. Fucking A, it does. As my pet pod tax, please tell Buford how handsome he is. He loves his sweaters. And for a pit bull, he looks incredibly dapper. This picture. This picture was taken on Thanksgiving. He dresses for special occasions. God, you're the best pop pop ever. FYI, being from Wisconsin, Wisconsin, the land of the fighting Bob LaFollette. Okay. Part of our Midwest accent is because we're always smiling and overflowing with Midwest nice. I love it. Try saying Wisconsin without a smile. Sounds different, doesn't it? Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yeah, you're totally right. That's where it comes from. You gals are the shit. Thank you. Thank you. I love this person. <laughs> and look at this goddamn pit bull looks, in a sweater. I am d- dying. Pop-Up looks like Jeff Daniels. Oh, he does, does a little he? bit. Oh my God. This I pit know bull. this pit bull in a sweater. If you oh. can just keep, if you can just start sending in pictures of pit bulls and sweaters, people, it'll make yep. me very, very happy. <laughs> that would There's be also all... a little schoolgirl tie. That would be all. <laughs> this is so cute with the white collar. And the Argyle. Oh, it's so Wisconsin. I it. Oh, I love you, Pop Pop. And congratulations on this adorable baby. Look at Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My first one's from Megan. Pronounce she and her. Dear lovely leaders of the Illumination. <laughs> I'm not sure if this very minor correction has been submitted, but just in case Bowie, MD, is pronounced Bowie, not Bowie. There we have it. 
like the knife. There you go. Now for the good news, because this is my favorite podcast, unlike most who begin their days with your uh, melodious voices, I have to save up episodes so that I either have one on Saturday or can treat myself to two after a particularly tough day. I guess I would pass the marshmallow test. (laughs) So last week, the week before, last year, time has no meaning. When I heard a reference to spaghetti squash, I was thoroughly confused. Then it dawned on me. I had somehow skipped an episode. (laughs) That's funny. And it was a good one. Surprise bonus episode that showed up just the right time. I know it's small, but in these bleak days of winter, it made my week, especially since that was a hilarious episode. For pod pet tax, find the cat. I present Lily, the camouflaged but easily findable kitten, and Lizette, the in-view but less easily findable noodle. Thanks, AGDG, Amy, and all the people who make you sound so good and keep the lights on. Keep up the good work. Oh, did I see the one? Oh, oh there I see. Oh, my goodness. So cute. Babies. Thank you for that, Megan. That's so wonderful. Legumination. I love it. And that was a really particularly funny episode. (laughs) We had a lot. You and I just gave no fucks that day. We're just, nope, like jokes left and right. Fucking spaghetti squash made me so damn happy. And riffing on the news. All right. Next up from Christine in Virginia, pronouns she and her. Hello, AG, Dana and everyone on the beans. You asked for pictures from the makers. And this is a combo makers good news report. Sweet. When I retired, I needed something to keep this homebody busy each day. So I returned to my on-again, off-again interest in quilting. I've decided to make children's quilts for Project Linus, a nationwide charity whose mission is to provide love, a sense of security, warmth, and comfort to children who are seriously ill, traumatized, or otherwise in need of gifts of new handmade blankets and afghans lovingly created by volunteers. What an amazing mission statement that is. I have donated five child-sized quilts so far, and I've attached a photo of one of them. Simple, but hopefully warm and comforting. But fabric for quilts can get expensive, so the good news is that when I asked my local Project Linus coordinator if she had any donated fabric to pass on to me, she really came through. I just picked up five, yes, five bags full of quilting fabric donated by members of the local quilt guild that I can use to make a huge number of quilts. I have at least a full year's worth of projects that will come from these donations. I'm amazed and overwhelmed at the generosity of some people. You included, Christine, by the way. My obligation now is to make warm quilts for kids in need, and I will take that responsibility seriously and do what I can. Thank you for all you do. I love listening to the Daily Beans each day when I sew. Look how beautiful. It really is. This is lovely. (sighs) We have some amazing humanitarians that listen to this podcast. Project Linus, too. I know. Oh, what a brilliant name. Oh, so good. Thank you. Oh, this fabric. Oh, what an incredible gift. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're coming to you from Sam. Sam pronouns she and her. Hello, leguminous luminaries. Thank you for all of your work, bringing the news and swears and helping people like me to keep up and understand everything that is going on. I'm writing to you from Australia, where our politicians are also somewhat bat crap crazy. And they are Bush League compared to yours. (laughs) Firstly, I wanted to thank you for your open and honest discussions on mental health, inclusivity, and the LGBTQI plus awareness. I've been incorporating some of the things I have learned from you and from podcasts and other pod listeners into my life, like including she and her in my email signature at work. And I've noticed other people doing it as well. I'm a high school science teacher. And when I'm introducing myself to new classes, I include my pronouns and tell them that if they are comfortable, 
doing so, they can request that I use specific pronouns for themselves. I've had numerous students express to me that they're grateful that I show them that my classroom is a safe and inclusive space for them. Last year, when I did this, one of my students wrote me a letter to request that I use they, them pronouns and that they were happy to be able to do so somewhere because their family would not be supportive of them doing so. You all gave me that opportunity, and I'm so very thankful with a heart. I also just wanted to send a quick note to say an extra thank you to Dana for opening live stream tickets for her show on the 9th. I checked what time it will be here when Dana's performing, and it'll be 8 a.m. on Thursday. Oh, by crazy coincidence, that's the day I don't go to work until noon. So I bought my ticket immediately. Sweet. I'll have viewers in Australia. Hell yeah. You're global, baby. I love it. I'll be making myself a special breakfast, maple soaked, crispy baked prosciutto and chocolate chip pancakes. This is awesome. And sitting down on my laptop to watch the show. So excited. Pet tags attached are my two fur kids, Freddie. Freddie Percury, who has no sense of personal space and checking out the quote catio that my dad installed for him. And my patchy pony Indy. Two years ago, she needed one of her eyes removed due to cancer. Pretty common with horses with white patches. She's now living a life of luxury as a paddock ornament and being spoiled rotten by the kids at the riding school where I board her. Keep up all the amazing work you do. Oh, Sam, what a great picture. Beautiful cat. Thank you for supporting me virtually in Australia. I'm glad you'll be able to catch the show. And who knows what I'm going to say. It's all a crapshoot. What a wonderful submission, too. I mean, with just with the kids, having the, having the, the students say thank you for giving me somewhere. Giving me somewhere where I'm comfortable to use my pronouns. Wow. Those moments, you know, I performed, uh, I performed at several universities and I had a show at Central Michigan University. And this was years ago, but I had a student write me a letter afterwards and said, your show gave me the courage to come out to my family. Ugh. And it was one of those moments. And, and it was said, your comedy. And then they, he brought his parents to my <gasps> show. So he said, you're, you are the reason I came out. And my parents came with me to the event. The parents came up to me and gave me a big hug. Ugh. It's moments like that where you're like, all right, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I get it. Yeah. I, re- I remember being at uh, Pride, I think in 06 or 04. And uh, I was on a float with my friend Sonia. We were both dressed like Rosie the Riveter, like twinsies. Yeah. And uh, we were working at Booth afterwards. And I was writing for the Lavender Lens at the time, doing the music column. And a dad came up with like a 12-year-old, maybe-ish daughter. And he just tapped us on the shoulder. And he said, excuse me, ladies. Um this is my daughter and, and said what her name was and said she, she came out to me today. And, and so I brought her to Pride and she saw you, the Rosie the Riveters, and wanted to get a, a photo with the both of you. Oh. Would you take a photo with, with my daughter? And I was like, oh, my God. I, I was like, huh, huh. I couldn't. You're oh, like, just... I will pose for a portrait. If someone wants to come paint us, I'll do it. <laughs> he absolutely came out <laughs> to her dad. And then he immediately took her to the Pride Festival. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. We got good people out there. All these, all these things. This is why the good news is so important. I'll be honest with you, AG. The last couple of days on Twitter, especially for comedians, have been brutal. Uh, these arguments and discussions about Joe Rogan and um, old videos that are coming out about sexual assault and laughs, people laughing at it, including Joe. And, and it's just it, Twitter's just 
been a little bit vile for folks like us, I think a little bit in the last couple of days. So it's so nice to hear these stories. Yeah, it's it it really restores the faith. And then, by the way, your kitty cat here, your no personal space, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. I mean, come on. Is the spinning image, Sam, of a cat I had named Rusty, Russell T. Cat, by the way. Great name. Who was a, a, a part Turkish, I think part ragdoll, but has the same exact coloration and loved the water and loved to play fetch. So I'd be interested. I'd be interested to know if your no personal space cat has any weird non-cat habits like my Rusty did. That'd be fun to know. That's awesome. And the horse is beautiful. Thank you for these submissions, everyone. If you have anything you want to send in, please do. We love hearing from you. And you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And, you know, of course, thank you again so much, everybody who's who's chipping in the three bucks a month to to get a premium feed. And then you get this, you get all that, you got all this shit ad free. And it just means so much uh, to us, the the support. Seriously, uh, Dana, I don't even know how to express like the thanks, you know, you got good people. You do the right thing and people support. That's the lesson there. You do the right thing and people will support you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And you ask for help if you need it, you know, and, yep. and people will be there. Uh, Dana, any final thoughts? No, I feel like that was it. That's it. No final thoughts for this week. I have a great week. I hope to see some of you in live and in person at the show on Wednesday. And if not, I hope you're enjoying it from your living room. Don't, you know, don't wear pants. I have to just cause I'm live this time, but who knows? <laughs> who do knows you though? Happen? I do mean, I have to wear pants? Mm, we could do a no pants party, you know? We'll see what happens. But, and, <laughs> and people will be watching from Australia. So you're big, you're big time now. You're, you're international, my friend. Love it. All right, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.